Hey everybody, it's Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast, if I do say so myself, and I often do. Uh, this is episode 110 with Max Dunbar, who we, we talk about it fairly soon, like, uh, as, you know, in terms of when the episode starts, like, Max and I have been trying to do a podcast uh, for a little while. Uh, I don't think it's as many years, but it's definitely been a lot of back and forth and, hey, are you available? Yes, but I don't have a mic. Okay, well, let's try and, you know, sort things out. But the the point is that we finally did it. We finally made a podcast. Um, and Max is an amazing artist. If you haven't seen his stuff, I highly recommend doing a nice little Google search. Uh, and you will find some pretty impressive pieces of art. So um, it was great to talk to him and nerd out about a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't even think we we touched on a lot of his actual work as an artist. I think we just ended up talking about Marvel and DC movies, which I am always down for as well. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I always see Max at uh, a lot of conventions, at least in the Pacific Northwest area, since he's all uh, up there in the Vancouver's. Um, so it's always fun to catch up with him and then to just kind of nerd out. So uh, I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed uh, recording it. Uh, episode 110 with Max Dunbar. always something that happens with Skype, so I just kind of expect it now, so. Yeah, yeah, no, but this, uh, is the audio coming through okay? Yeah, you're coming through just fine. Sweet. How, how do I sound to you? Uh, yeah, everything sounds clear. Sweet. Excellent. We're gonna do this finally. Finally, right? It's been like two to three years, I'd say. Something like that. It's just the ongoing, hey, we should do a podcast. Sure. Well, may, okay, no. Yeah, it's, it was mainly all my fault because I didn't have a microphone and then I finally bought a laptop, which has, I believe, a built-in microphone. So this is perfect. Well, there you go. So it all works out once you finally get on board and buy a laptop. So get some technology. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of money finally and get something that's updated has everything you need exactly use that sweet comic book money max yeah just rolling in it i imagine i think based on every myth there is about the creation of comics that of course spring fully formed uh into the world you you must have millions upon billions of dollars at this point yeah no i've got i've got hundreds of dollars excellent literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars (laughs) just put them in a swimming pool and do a very like small version of scrooge mcduck exactly it would be uh it would be very sad that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, money well spent on the laptop, at least. Excellent. Well, and also, you're Canadian, so the loonies and toonies would probably make it difficult to, well, you know... Yeah, that could be deadly. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. that, that would be uh, extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, no one ever really thinks about that, because when Scrooge goes diving into those coins, it's like, that that can't be... No, that's... Spinebreaker, instantly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, it... <laughs> I don't think that cartoon is realistic at all. You know what? I suspect as much. Um, yeah. Even even watching the rebooted one the, or the the newer version of it, it's just like, hmm. I still don't buy this uh, diving well, into your money thing. Yeah, they should have updated that now that the science <laughs> has been completed. It's true. Uh, they updated it. 
It's like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. They really should be giving them feathers at this point. I know. It's, you know, just up there. No one will mind. No. Like, well, just give them some feathers. Yeah. Fantastic. Actually, in in reality, I do think they would be scarier if they were coming at you with, like, these really colorful feathers, and you're like, I have no idea how to react to this situation. Yeah, it would be very confusing and therefore um, terrifying, Yeah, I think. I agree with you 100%. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Jurassic World people should just listen to me most of the time, but, uh, you know, after that that first one. They should hire you. Yeah. not hired already they should hire you for this one particular job exactly it's yeah. like, guys i don't think it's scary enough more feathers more feathers and more colors yes uh the, yeah just this spe- uh, a spectrum i'm gonna bring some colorist friends in they're gonna help you out with that and exactly yeah get uh, get like tamra bombalane in there oh God, and yeah. a few other like professional comic book colors they can pick the most frightening palettes oh my god I feel like this needs to happen. We should just, uh, let's just get everyone together and we're just going to make it. The, the great ideas start is on your podcast. So yeah, just, uh, it'll blossom from here. I, I can only hope. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is what takes it to the next level. Oh, from your mouth to God's ears there, Max. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but how are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, just keeping busy uh, with uh, working on uh, Judge Dredd now. Ooh. So yeah, it's uh, it's tons of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we're with Mark Russell and JL Rio on that for IDW, and it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really uh, great. He's a very iconic, well-known character, so that's that's a thrill and an honor to be able to work on. Him. Yeah, had you seen? I mean, I imagine you've seen the two movies, but uh, you you never know what your familiarity. Never saw is. the Stallone one. I never, I never actually saw the uh, the original Stallone movie. I, I hear it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, um, in its, its own way. Classic. Uh, I'm actually a huge Stallone fan, so it's weird that I've never seen it, but uh, I have seen the Carl Urban, um, Judge Dredd, and I thought it was awesome. Oh my god, that was, I think I, I think I eventually saw it on Netflix just because, I mean, I, I had bad memories from the first one with the Stallone, uh, I don't know how that can be, because I hear it's amazing, so it's, I don't understand how you have bad memories It's, it's amazing it. in its own way. And sure. <laughs> is Rob Schneider in it? Yeah, he is. Oh, he's never been in a bad movie, no, so I don't know um, not, how it could be anything but great. That's that's true. I mean, of of Rob Schneider's oeuvre, he has <laughs> not had a terrible movie. No, he's a flawless record. It's very true. Yeah. Oh, what was the one where he's playing like a, he, he becomes a teenage girl or whatever the hell that went, I don't know. Yeah, uh, oh, that is unfortunately on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Uh, some reason. I just I, I remember. I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I just remember South Park making fun of it to the the degree where they're like, "Rob Schneider's got to learn to derp a derp a derp derp." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like an easy target. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun of that movie, but uh, I'm sure they did a hilarious job. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those movies that you when you when you watch it, you you come out of it being like, "Yeah, I just watched that thing. That's yeah, that's and, a like, thing." I guess it's a comedy. Mm, yeah, I and it's watching it, and it felt more like um, like the Deer Hunter, just like a long, sad movie. The but, Carl uh, Urban yeah, one. He's a great actor, and uh, Judge Dredd, I'm sure, was a better movie for having him in it. Are we talking about Carl Urban or Stallone? Uh, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Okay, yes, the yeah, Rob Schneider. Judge Dredd. Well, thumb, I'm always talking about Rob Schneider. Okay, well, just keep that in no mind. What I'm talking about. 
is Rob Schneider. Okay. We'll just yeah. keep it focused on Rob Schneider movies, and yeah. this should... That's what this podcast is about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it can, it can be about whatever you want, Max. If you want to talk about Rob Schneider, we, we can do that. You can... That's all I want to talk about ever. Okay, let's talk about yeah. some Fifty First Dates. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah, he's... Just go through the whole catalog. Yeah, basically a lot of Adam Sandler movies was just including yeah, Rob Schneider. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's that they're good friends. You can tell. Yeah, that he just keeps showing up playing some kind of racial stereotype. Exactly. Yeah, some vaguely ethnic guy. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's not the race that he is, but he, he'll do it. No, yeah, you know? no, that's yeah. that's the level of actor Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's not afraid to go there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's so fearless. <laughs> one is, is a good movie. Yes. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a good, awesome movie. No, it's, it's, and it's so beautifully done. Like, I, I just, like, every, everything that happens in that movie, I'm just like, well, of course that had to happen because, yeah. Yeah. No, and there's, it's just one of those movies where there's just not an ounce of fat on it. It's just mm-hmm. a, a solid, like, action movie through and through with a very, simple straightforward like plot he's trapped in a building with a bunch of criminals Mm -hmm. and strangely enough that's kind of um kind of similar to the book that i'm working on this mini series it's like very just straightforward he's in one of those um you know gigantic uh uh towers Mm -hmm. and he's just fighting his way through it um so yeah it's just a really fun book to draw yeah and 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 especially stories like that are always are always fun because it's it's so closed in it's it's low stakes in the sense of like it's not earth shattering like we have to save the world kind of thing um but it means something to that character that these things happen you know yeah and it can kind of um it can kind of be a bit more character driven um, because you're not having to worry about these like gigantic sort of, as you say, like earth shattering events. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's, it's on par with, um, you know, like he's a cop essentially or yeah. a super cop. So it's, you know, him fighting criminals in an urban setting and in, in this like, you know, slum tower. It's just a, it's very, uh, it feels very dread and it's super fun to draw. So yeah, it's, I feel very lucky to be able to work on it. That's great. Well, um, how did, how did such a job come into your purview? Like, did you, did you have to audition for it or did they approach you? That's, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things where, um, I was finishing up the Gears of War miniseries mm-hmm. that just ended um, the, the fourth issue just came out, I believe, and uh, I was actually telling the, my editor, uh, Denton, at um, IDW that I was going to be heading down to uh, work at Wizards of the Coast for three weeks, so I wanted them to know like my schedule, because they were interested in doing another book with me, which was awesome, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, we've got this Judge Dredd miniseries coming up that Mark Russell is writing. Um, and I had read um, his work on the Flintstones, uh, which oh, came yeah. out, um, and it was just so good and so like different and weird. And um, I, so I jumped at the chance to be able to work uh, with him on that, and then also on such a well-known character because uh, you know Judge Dredd has sort of entered the public zeitgeist and is, is mm-hmm. a big part of pop culture now like everyone knows him even if they haven't read the comic or seen the movies mm-hmm. um so yeah it was it was really i felt 
really lucky that they asked me if I'd be interested and I didn't have to try out for it or anything. Yeah. Um, and Mark luckily was happy with, uh, you know, uh, my style. And I guess the, uh, the Gears of War stuff was similar in tone, mm-hmm. sort of like dark and gritty. So, yeah, it, it worked out well. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I mainly know you a lot from a, a lot more of the fantasy-driven stuff that you do. Uh, yeah, because you were working with Jim Zub for a while. Um, yeah. Was was it on just the the, the regular D and D like the Baldur's Gate? Yeah, yeah, I worked with Jim. Um, I did interiors with him on Dungeons and Dragons: uh, Legends of Baldur's Gate, which was the first mini series. He's done a few now, mm-hmm. um, sort of focusing around Minsk and Boo from Baldur's Gate, the, the video game, um, and a, a crew of other characters that we co-created mm-hmm. and um so yeah i worked with them on interiors and that and then i just sort of stayed in touch uh doing covers for the later mini series uh various mi- i think there's been like three mm-hmm. now something like that um, yeah. yeah and really really fun um but you're right a totally different feel to them it's very family friendly and light and um, that kind of led into me doing the first strike Transformers G.I. Joe miniseries uh, sort of event comic that mm-hmm. I did last year. Um, so that the biggest jump was going from that to Gears of War. Yeah. And the editor, uh, Denton, uh, who worked with me on Gears of War, like he wasn't initially super sure that I'd be the right fit for Gears of War because he had just seen this sort of more family-friendly cartoony vibe that I'd done in previous comics. But um, I was able to sort of not convince him. He didn't really need convincing so much. He was just like, okay, well, you know, if you think that's a good idea, I'm more than happy to work with the guy. Mm -hmm. But I did, um, you know, a few sort of sketches and send them his way of like a a bit more of a gritty, sketchy style. Um, And... You know, I think he was happy with it. Then once we started working on the pages, um, he saw some pretty, pretty nasty stuff in the first few pages that uh, that happens that Curtis Weeb wrote into that script. So yeah, yeah I think he, his fears were put at ease that I, you know, about the sort of violence and more adult nature of that comic. Yeah, that's that's always kind of interesting in terms of like a style that an artist might necessarily be more known for, and then like I guess. I mean, do you ever feel like you have been pigeonholed because of what of the work you do? Like, if you're trying to do something like, you know, Gears of War, and being like, okay, so I guess I have to draw in this way that's not necessarily what I'm normally known for. I mean, I'm, I don't know if that even makes sense. Like, uh, No, it totally does. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can definitely... I think it just comes down to... There are certain books that I definitely wouldn't be the best fit for. I would, you know, I'd like to think that I could sort of adapt to whatever was needed, Mm -hmm. but um, it just comes down to it. Like, there's going to be people who are going to like my stuff better in the fantasy sort of realm or Gears of War compared to maybe some genre I haven't done. You know, like, I I wouldn't say that I was super... uh, well suited to some sort of like really dark pulpy uh detective uh mm-hmm. thing like the uh brubaker uh criminal series something like that yeah like ultra realistic um so yeah i just that i wouldn't be the first person on anyone's list for that um and i definitely it, 
while I love those comics, I don't think for me they would be the most fun to draw because I do like to sort of exaggerate and have a bit more cartooniness. Yeah. Which for Gears of War uh, and Judge Dredd, I think like the sort of outskirts of that, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you could definitely swing more realistic on either one of those books uh, and still still get the right art style. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely didn't delve anywhere close to like photorealism or you know drowning everything in in spotlights or anything like that. Yeah. I still I still kept fairly true to my style. I just you know toned down the sort of cartoonish expressions a little bit and, mm-hmm. and tried to make it a little bit more serious looking. Yeah, I I will confess that I'm not a big fan of photorealism like that. Like I like I mean I know everyone loves Alex uh Ross and everything, but it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of it. Like I I, I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um I look at I look at those um those paintings and everything. It's like and I understand like aesthetically speaking gorgeous you know i get it beautifully done yeah Yeah. he is a phenomenal artist for sure um i tend to gravitate myself more towards um an illustrated like clearly not super super photorealistic style you know my heroes are like that sort of 90s image guys and i don't think anyone would use any of those guys of being photorealistic no Um, they're when their when their thighs are about as like the thickness of their head and neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everyone's just like you know got muscles on top of muscles. And, yep. And you know grimaces and stubble po- and I love that stuff. So, pockets um, everywhere. So many pockets and yeah, like, they're just lousy with pockets, which you know I totally am into. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just I think it just comes down to personal preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one would accuse any of the photorealistic um, people, you know, Alex Ross being one of the best, uh, no one would accuse them of, of um, not being phenomenal artists. Of course, but yeah. it just comes down to, you know, what you, what your your jam is. And for me, um, my ultimate heroes are, are the guys like Greg Capullo and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Todd McFarland and, and Jim Lee. Um, so that sort of, you know, like, I guess you could call it a, a uh, just a classic American comic style. Maybe some people call it 90s comic style, but I, I don't know specifically what genre it fits into, but that's what I gravitate towards. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely see that, yeah, in, in your in your stuff. I mean, it's, and I mean, speaking of which, have you seen the, um, oh, what is it, the, the Deadpool 2 trailer, the, the, the latest one? Yeah, I actually just, I just watched it today, and uh, the end part, with Peter, like, had me laughing out loud. Oh, my God. I, I rewatched that scene, like, three or four times, and I just thought it was genius. Oh, just even the, my favorite was when uh, Cable says whatever he says to him, and he's like, that's so dark! Are you sure you're not part of the DC universe? Like, I know, that was hilarious. I didn't know they were allowed to do that, but that's so funny. Oh, I was at work watching that trailer, and I just started laughing, and I was Thankfully, it was, like, early morning, so no one was there. <laughs> was just that's, like... Yeah, that's a risky play, watching uh, a Deadpool trailer uh, at work if you work in a place where they don't like you bursting out laughing randomly in the middle of the day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's also really funny because I live in Vancouver, and that trailer was, like, could have been a promotional travel video for Vancouver. Oh, that's right, yeah. pretty much, like, 
wall-to-wall recognizable Vancouver locales in that trailer. So it's pretty surreal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That way, even though Vancouver is used in a lot of movies, it's usually not used so blatantly. Uh, So that was cool. Maybe they're just getting over that whole, like, well, it's not just a city that, you know, it's just, we're just going to go with it's set in Vancouver. Let's just do that. I mean, that would be hilarious. Uh, And if any movie was to sort of, be that self-referential and just be like, yeah, every movie is filmed in Vancouver, so we're actually in Vancouver. I mean, you figure Deadpool might be the one to do that, especially because oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds, I think, is from Vancouver. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And I, I saw some of the, some of the, um, like that gigantic truck that sort of featured prominently mm-hmm. in the trailer. I saw that driving around Vancouver. That thing is huge. Yeah. <laughs> like. Like, I didn't know what it was for at the time, and it was terrifying. You're just like, what is going on? Is martial law happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> the biggest vehicle I'd ever seen. Well, yeah, because I saw the, so the the kid, like the MacGuffin kid, um, he, I, so I just saw uh, the Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, my sister's boyfriend is a, is uh, from New Zealand. And uh, and he had us watching, uh, you know, th- that movie because it was like Taika Waititi's first first like. I hear it's really good. I it really seen is. It, but it's like on my list. It's hilarious. Like, and and I know that there's a lot of like you know New Zealand colloquialisms going through there. So having having a translator kind of was helpful. But it's. I imagine. It took a while for me to realize that because Sam Neill is like the the lead along with that kid. Um, right. Yeah, and and I had forgotten he was from New Zealand. So like when I was watching, I was like, "Is that Sam Neill?" <laughs> like, oh man, I didn't. I don't even think I knew he was from New Zealand until you just said that. Yeah, like, Jurassic Park. He does such a good American accent. Right. I, I never would have guessed. He's so good, and you're just like, "Yeah, Alan Grant. What the hell? Like, what's going yeah, on here?" That's, uh, that's awesome. I'm I'm a big fan um, of uh, of the the vampire movie. Oh, uh, what we do in the shadows? Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Oh, it's so, so good. I would definitely check this one out. Yeah, I have a, I have one or two shirts that are in the vein of you know we're we're werewolves, not swearwolves. That's yeah, yeah, genius. I, yeah. I really hope he made like there was talk or something that he was going to make a sequel or mm-hmm. something. Well, I hope goes through with that. It was like a sequel, and then I think like the latest thing I heard was that it might be a TV show. Right, which would yeah, be interesting. Hard to imagine. Um, you know, uh, I heard they're going to go with a different cast and stuff, and mm-hmm. I, it's hard to imagine anyone else doing it better, but, uh, you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe uh, it'll be awesome. Well, I mean, what's what's Reese Darby really doing right now? I mean, come on. He's, other than yeah, voicing yeah, right. some cartoons or whatever. Best. My favorite part of Flight of the Concords. Oh, so yeah. funny. <laughs> it's like, present? <laughs> Just the... Yeah, exactly. The band <laughs> meeting and all that. Yeah, the guy's a genius. Had you ever listened to the um, the BBC radio shows? No, I haven't actually. Yeah, so those I would highly recommend. I mean, you get like the proto songs as well. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of the show, like the actual episodes of that, at least the first season of Flight of the Concords, are are based entirely on like BBC uh, shows that you know radio shows that they did. Oh, it's because I'm always looking for more audio to listen to while I work. So mm-hmm. that uh, that sounds like a good one. I'll, I'll make a note of that for sure. Yeah, yeah. The the Bowie and Bowie in space. Is yeah. Still. 
classic. Oh my Good God. recommendation. I'm actually writing that down right now. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that at least something will come out of this for you. Exactly. That and Jurassic Park uh, feathers and yes. colors are the two things that are going to come out of this podcast. Yeah. And and Rob Schneider's oeuvre of, uh, oh, of movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. His resurgence into the mainstream. Yes. Uh, which is long overdue. We've been, we've been waiting so long. Oh. Uh, yeah, bated breath the entire time. <laughs> I don't, have you ever seen uh, Gail Simone on Twitter using his picture? As, yes. Oh I my have. god, it's, it's so good. <laughs> I think I missed the initial, like the the genesis of that joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost funnier not knowing why and yeah. just seeing it everywhere. Yeah, I don't actually know how that started either, because, I mean, as much as I follow Gail, I can only keep up with her so much. I mean, I'm, I'm busy. Uh, She's a prolific tweeter. She really is. It's, it's yeah. kind of amazing how good she is at not only just being herself, but then trolling people. Yeah, yeah she, I'm sure she uh, elicits uh, some, some pretty strong reactions from some people that... Uh, mm-hmm that probably don't get her jokes or just, you know, aren't into what she's uh, doing. But uh, I bet it's hilarious. Oh, like watching her troll the um, the DC TV show people, like the Arrow people. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that gives me more joy than anything else, is watching her just completely screw up any kind of minutia about the DC universe and people just getting, like, so upset at her. Yeah, like, not realizing that's exactly what she wants mm-hmm. and getting really really upset at her yeah like it's th- pretty awesome this woman yeah. used to write ralph wiggum like she used to do like simpsons comics so i like yeah. i trust her with anything <laughs> yeah no she's uh she's awesome i i would love to work with her one day have you checked out the new domino comic that i she did? i have the first issue in my queue i just haven't had the time to actually read it uh it's awesome. Is it? Oh, good. I, I haven't actually read it. I've read, like, the previews and stuff. I'm going to go grab it at some point. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, and I'm, I, I always, especially characters like Domino, because she doesn't get a lot of use as, as a main character. She's always, like, a secondary or a tertiary character. Right. And, and someone like Gale, who can just kind of see an angle for a character like her, those are the things that I enjoy. Like, I, I've i had this long-standing idea for a comic in, in the DC universe, which is, and it's it's basically like one of the time travelers, it could be Booster Gold, it could be Rip Hunter, whatever the hell, uh, like, picks up Vigilante and Shining Knight, but the, the uh, transgender version, so Justina. And yeah. they basically end up on, like, Dinosaur Island or something like that. Sounds awesome. It's just yeah, I just like this idea of like this big. I love dinosaurs and cowboys. Like it's one of my favorite genres, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So any chance to like get those things together and and it and I love the relationship between Shining Knight and Vigilante that I saw in um, like the the Justice League cartoon. Right. So yeah. just putting it all together and being like, let's just have an adventure set on Dinosaur Island with someone from the future and two people from the past. Yeah, that would be awesome. I love to. I love the um, the sort of secondary characters like Domino mm-hmm. that don't. Because like ultimately, if you have a good writer who who 
figures out something interesting to say about the character. To mm-hmm. me, it really doesn't matter if the character is well known or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you just basically make an interesting comic with the character. Yeah. So there are tons of there are tons of sort of like D list characters that I would love to read either miniseries or ongoing series about. It's just that you you know. And nothing against the main characters. You just tend to get, like, the retreads of yeah. these, you know, main guys over and over again. And it would be cool to sort of delve into some of the little minor, you know, characters. Yeah, I mean, and, and especially when you're looking at, like, the big two. I mean, there's there's so many mutants alone that you could... I, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, you could just go through a book and be like, okay, let's pick this guy, this guy, this girl, whatever. Uh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and you could... You know, like, there's so many interesting stories that you could bring up, and, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I hope that they do more of this type of thing, because I think that's also a really good way to, you know, you hopefully boost up these characters and mm-hmm. move them towards being mainstream. I mean, Deadpool would be a perfect example of that. He yeah. was sort of third-tier character back when he came out, now he's, you know, the star of his own hugely successful movie franchise. So exactly. just get the right writers behind him. Yeah, and, and you figure, like, especially with a character like Deadpool that went from, like, a, a Rob Liefeld, I mean, again, the, the 90s, like, ultra-muscled, you know, just, you know, proportions completely out of the, you know, out of whack. Um, sure. But ultra-violent kind of character. But then once, I, and I don't remember who it was that, shifted him to this, you know, fourth wall breaking, uh, character. But once that shift happened and he became this like new type of character, then you're like, well, yeah, of course. Like, let's just, let's get on this train over here. Yeah. I think like for me, Joe Kelly, um, when he did the, the first ongoing Deadpool series with Ed McGinnis, um, Mm -hmm. that just blew my mind. It was like such a good, he, he is someone that totally gets the character, and it just was such an amazing series. I That's the one series that I, I actually went out and, like, bought all the issues for. Mm-hmm. So I have the complete run, and it's, like, I don't know, like, 60 issues or something. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's, it's so good, and that's, like, yeah, I mean, he really established, in my mind, the, everything great about that character. And th- there's just no reason why... An equally talented writer uh, can't do that for really any character. You just find what makes them interesting, and or make new interesting things about them, and then build on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, you get another classic character out of it. Yeah, I mean, are there are there any characters that you, in particular, like that you think could do with a revamp? Or I mean, do you consider yourself the type that would want to write and draw, or do you like to just stick with the art? I mean, I would love to write at some point. I definitely don't uh, think I have the chops for it, and I'm out of practice. Like, you know, I did some, like everyone, I wrote in high school, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I just haven't kept up with it. Yeah. Um, I would love, you know, I, I'm thinking at some point, when I stop procrastinating, I'll start, like, just a web comic or a creator-owned thing, but not release it until I'm done and just sort of chip away at it when I have free time, Mm -hmm. the very limited amount of free time that I have, um, and sort of compile some sort of story and 
and just release it, um, you know, maybe online for free, or mm-hmm. if there's significant interest, uh, you know, maybe get it published somewhere, but, you know, just sort of take a crack at it and sort of workshop it uh, slowly without the pressure of yeah. you know, do or die, make or break, like all or nothing type situation that maybe just, you know, saying it into image or something would be. Mm-hmm. I think the sort of slow release might be the way to go for a first-time writer like myself. So yeah. that is definitely something I would love to do at some point. But as far as characters go, um, there are so many characters that I'd like to take a stab at at some point. And most of them, I think, are, are kind of obscure or, or not, you know, not the sort of spotlight characters right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Taskmaster, I always thought, was super interesting. So I wouldn't oh. mind, you know, doing like a... Oh, I'd love to do a Taskmaster uh-huh. story at some time. Um, uh, Ed Brisson just did a Bullseye one a, a year or two ago, and I, I heard that was awesome. I didn't get a chance to read it, but uh, Bullseye I always thought was a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Basically any sort of like anti-hero or villain type character could be interesting. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was just listening to um, Joe Manganiello on... Um on that's not nerdist anymore the id 10 t uh podcast and talking about like deathstroke and and gearing up for for that because i think he's still gonna be the main villain of the solo batman movie but yeah i mean like that that would be awesome yeah i i i really like deathstroke but i love his family like i'm a big fan of ravager uh like rose um and, and his son, I think, was it Jericho is his son, I believe. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, super cool stuff. I, I love that uh, that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just brought that up because it was it was there and it was fresh in my mind. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, um, I really hope that they um, still are doing that. So th- was this a recent interview that you were listening to? It's, uh, I think it's a couple weeks old. I was a little behind on, on some of my podcasts. Uh, sure. But, but yeah, it, like it's still going forward and all yeah. that. Because I know there's been some, um, just like I didn't even know if the Batman movie was still happening with Ben Affleck. That's like, yeah. So, it seems yeah. like every couple of months you you get like new news, like where they're like, okay, maybe he's sticking around as Batman, or maybe this movie that'll be a convenient out for him. It's just like, it's like guys, it's come just, on. Yeah, it's like it's. It's really unfortunate that it's uh, so messy mm-hmm. the way everything seems to be um, on the DC movie side of things. Just yeah. the fact that there isn't sort of like Marvel just seems to have it dialed in so well. The fact that they've got this plan and they're sticking to it, and the, all the movies are successful and mm-hmm. fairly critically acclaimed, and you know, fans are happy with them and stuff. It just you know, it just seems like there's all this unknown information happening on the DC side. And so hopefully hopefully the Batman movie does happen. That would be super cool. Yeah, I mean, I would actually... Because I, I was really interested in it when Ben Affleck was still going to write and direct it. Right. Just because I... Do, I mean, because I, I really liked The Town. I really liked Argo. Um, so I was I was kind of invested in him as Batman because I was like, okay, what what's he going to bring to it? Um, right. And and then after Batman v Superman and, and Justice League, it's just kind of like, hmm, I don't know if you can save this, Ben Affleck. I I don't think yeah, that's gonna. I happen. mean, I haven't actually seen either of those 
those movies. Um, I'm a terrible comic book fan. Um, You're not missing much. (laughs) So you did not enjoy those, I take it. No. um, My my friend James and I actually, after Batman vs. Superman, we did like a three-hour podcast just trying to dissect it, trying to figure out what even happened. Just sort it out between yourselves. Yeah. It was a post-mortem. It was kind of like a therapy session. Right. Just work out. I mean, because we were trying to understand, like, how you can so thoroughly not understand, like, your main characters in in your DC universe, like, your trinity. Like, two out of the three corners are are just kind of like, meh. Um, That's brutal that, uh, that, I mean, like, yeah, that is your, your... Tentpoles yeah. there, Superman and Batman, but Wonder Woman was good. No, Wonder um, Woman was great. Wonder Woman, like, I loved... Wonder Woman is the only movie so far in the DC universe of movies that I've even remotely enjoyed. Um right. and right. And that's unfortunate because they've done, like, what, five at this point, I think? Well, they did Superman was the first one. Yeah, Man of... The first one of this new um, direction. Yeah, Man of Steel... Steel, right. Yeah. Then, then it was um, Batman v Superman. That was the second one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I think Suicide Squad. Or maybe Suicide Squad was before that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and, Batman... Uh, Suicide Squad was after Batman versus uh, Superman. I okay. Um, and then I think... Then it was Wonder Woman. And then Justice League. So not only like four movies <laughs> so wow. far. So much has happened in such a few number of movies. They've really compressed a lot of um, activity into mm. a really small number of movies. Like, you'd think that... I guess they tried to do the opposite of what Marvel did in terms of sort of building up to the Avengers. They were like, like what, no, like, yeah. with the Justice League, then deconstruct it or something? I think that was what they thought they were doing. Um, okay. I, I can tell you... With all honesty, they they accomplished none of that. Oh, um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, man, just to think that the Justice League isn't like the biggest superhero movie of all time is really strange. Because yeah, that's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash. Like yeah, like that is, that's major. You should you shouldn't be able to screw up so spectacularly with with these characters. I mean, it's just like the cartoons figured it out real quick, and that was back in the '90s and the early 2000s. <laughs> Um, well, I, well, I gotta say, I ha- I haven't seen them, so I can't like. It just seemed like they were going with a Christopher Nolan type vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, just which I don't know. Like, yeah, you just think it's... maybe you don't need to go that dark. I saw Superman the the first uh, the first sorry the uh, yeah Zack Snyder Superman. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty bleak movie. Like, I was like, that's. It's like almost like in black and white. And <laughs> it's not really that. It's not Superman. It's. It, it felt very dark. Yeah, I because I I remember seeing it twice because when I came out the first first time seeing it, I was like, I don't think I saw a Superman movie, right. and and right. I had to go watch it again just to make sure that I was. I mean, because you can sometimes have like a cruddy experience in a theater, and that can that can. Yeah you know, uh, taint your, your, your vision of how the movie actually was. Absolutely. So I saw it again and I came out, I was like, nope, I still didn't see a Superman movie. I, 
I saw a really bleak version of a character that's supposed to smile at least once. Um, Do you think that was an overreaction to people's criticisms of Super the Brian Singer Superman? I don't. I think it was trying to do a lot of things. I think you're you're correct in that they were trying to build off of the the Christopher Nolan aesthetic. Um, yeah, definitely that. Yeah, dose of uh, the like super real, trying to be really realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it was for a character that you can't you can't you can't do Superman like you do Batman. Like, no. those those two characters, when they're together, it's because, you know, you've built up enough of their mythology and their, their I guess, what you want to call realism as characters within those universes. But yeah. Superman does not live in Gotham. He does not, you know, he isn't scowling and mopey all the time. He's, no. he's a generally happy dude, actually. It, it would have been interesting... If instead of moving Superman towards Batman, the Christopher Nolan Batman, if they took the opportunity to move Batman maybe a little bit more towards a Superman universe, you know, if mm-hmm. you, with the idea that you're going to have them all together yeah. in a movie, yeah. so you, maybe, you know, because the Marvel movies, like in, in, in the darkest Captain America moments uh, of say, the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. you still feel like Iron Man could show up. Yeah, uh, definitely. It feel like a separate movie or a separate universe. You still feel like Iron Man could show up. So I could see them trying to like build a cohesive universe, but maybe try and make um, uh, Batman a little bit more uh, team-friendly mm-hmm. and, and Superman, you know, super-friendly. And uh, then... You know, you could do the whole uh, Batman Bat Family thing. You could do oh you know, God, yeah. Robin and Nightwing. Make it a little bit less uh, brooding and a little bit more comic booky, and maybe that was the way to take it. Yeah, and I, I, I was definitely like, I always try to reconcile certain things in terms of like, okay, so if this is the aesthetic that they're going with, and this is what happens in this movie, so let's try and let's try and workshop this out, guys. Let's. Because this this whole idea of you know having Deathstroke be the the main villain, hopefully maybe of the solo Batman movie, it's like okay, well Deathstroke was never really like a Batman villain per se, but he was a Teen Titan villain, um, and you have he has a family, Batman has a supposed family, uh, so it's like trying move it towards those kinds of themes. Like he works with a team, maybe it makes him miss like. Nightwing and and Batgirl and everything that he's pushed off because we saw that at least one of his Robins has been most likely brutally murdered. Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting uh, choice as well because, so, I guess we're supposed to think, and I haven't, that was in Batman v Superman, wasn't it, where you saw the, what was it, the Jason Todd costume? Yeah, it's a very brief, like, look at, yeah, there's a, there's a Robin costume in a, in a case, and it's got, like, spray paint all over it with, like, the Joker's, like, ha-ha-has or something like right, that. Right, so yeah. the Joker has presumably murdered him at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's a, an interesting choice to make that all, like, previously on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, like, a lot of history to just sort of uh, yeah to with um i mean it's 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 a lot to it's 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 a lot of stuff that's in the background but it's like the movie doesn't doesn't earn any of that stuff like i mean there's no 
you don't really understand why these things are happening is it is right. the problem like the the story in terms of pushing characters forward like the motivations are so flimsy you're just kind of like okay i guess they're doing this because the script says so but character wise they i don't know why i mean the whole actual batman v superman part you know the yep. the big fight that they're they were building everything up to is like eight minutes out of a two and a half hour movie yeah which is like uh, an interesting choice to say the least because <laughs> oh man I, I haven't seen yeah I haven't seen any of the movies except re- I mean I haven't even really seen Wonder Woman I saw a bit of it um, and I wanted to see the whole thing I just uh, I, I can't remember where I was but it had already started maybe I was like on demand or something and I mm-hmm. walked into a room so I sat down and watched some of it but I've watched like some of Suicide Squad mm-hmm. um the only one I've seen in its entirety was the first Superman. I just need to get ca- uh, like caught up on all of them. But um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, because I I know they definitely have like they're still going forward with a Batgirl movie. Um, uh, I think Nightwing is on the docket. I mean, they've announced so many movies at this point where you're just like, just let, let's focus on on one. Right. <laughs> yeah. They, it's kind of like they're starting at, um, you know, at a Marvel sort of pace. But mm-hmm. Marvel took quite a few years to get up to the sort of oh yeah level that they're at. I mean, Iron Man and the Hulk were the first ones for a while, and they sort of built up those franchises before even trying to, or I guess just the Iron Man franchise. Yeah, the Hulk kind of petered out. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, well, I mean, we're get, yeah, we're getting up to uh, Avengers four, the if, uh, Infinity War, and that's been like what seventeen years of right. It's that's so ridiculous. Great. Like, but yeah. but we've been like waiting for like they've been doing such a good job of building up and building up, and in and, and you're finally like, okay, finally Thanos is gonna gonna be the thing, the deal. Right, um, it means something at this point for sure mm-hmm. because. You, ha- you know all the characters involved. Exactly. Uh, and even Thanos, they've teased at him enough that you have a bit of an idea of what he's about, even if you're not a comic book fan. Exactly. And and there's a lot of speculation about whether or not, like, Chris Evans, like, if Cap is going to die in this one, because it's... Oh, Chris... not. Oh, man, if he does, it's going to be epic. You just oh, know it will be. He's my favorite, uh, he's my favorite character in the... Uh... MCU, I think, is mm-hmm. the Chris Evans Captain America. Yeah, no, he's and and the thing is, like, again, another person that you follow on you know, that I follow on Twitter, where it's just like he he's kind of just embodying Cap at this point. Just a good dude. Yeah, like I don't yeah. know where one ends and the other begins, but if if he ends up going, because I think this is his last like contractually obligated movie. Um, oh, yeah, so. I wouldn't be. I'm. I'm. I'm prepping for it because I just feel just like mentally preparing yourself. Basically, because I, like you, I very much love Chris Evans as Steve. Ro- uh, not Steve Rogers. Steve. Tra- no. Yeah, Rogers. You got, yeah, you got it. I had it. <laughs> I mean, but that's. It's. You think it would be such a hard role to pull off because he's kind of like Superman in the sense that he's very earnest mm-hmm. and you know he's not you know intentionally. A funny character, um, but yeah, he just does it. He's just a, the way he plays him is very likable, but uh, very earnest. 
Uh, you know, uh, Tony Stark is is a little bit not that he's easy to play in any stretch. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is an amazing actor, but mm-hmm. like that, it's it's easier to make a character like that entertaining. I feel. Oh like. yeah, no. He's, he's sarcastic and you know cynical, quippy, whereas Captain America is neither of those things. But he he pulls it off. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what, and especially like when you get around to Avengers, you know, when that that first one because. It was so, it was just everything built up to that. And then to see all these personalities kind of clash with each other in in ways that it just fit because of like who they were, how they'd established them. And yeah. then to, especially like after Civil War, like that movie in, in terms of its scope and scale is again, it's the stakes are fair, are low. I mean, it's not world shattering. It's an intimate like portrait of a friendship collapsing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like the the threat, the the bad guy um, Zemo was really secondary and sort of a, almost like a plot device, from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. To sort of the the real threat is that you're worried about what's going to happen to these two. Yeah, the, and and you, and you're just and you're with both of them in certain aspects. Like you understand where both are coming from. Yeah, yeah. Which and, I think. Uh, done better in the movie, even though I was a big fan of the Civil War comic. Civil War comic, I mean, I know I was 100% on, you know, Captain America's side, mm-hmm. even though, I mean, really, uh, you, one could make a very strong argument that the Iron Man uh, regulation, you know, government control thing makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. uh, when, on, on face value, but... In the comic, it was it was a lot more one sided. Who you felt like the hero of the story was? It was Captain America. You know, Tony Stark was kind of the bad guy. Whereas in the movie, I it's a lot grayer. It's not nearly as black and white. Yeah, and I and I think also it's that that reveal that he you know he know he knew about um, Bucky uh, having killed yeah. Tony's parents. It's like. It's like, oh no! It just got complicated. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty horrific, but not outside the character's capabilities. I don't think. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. So it's like you come out of Civil War and you're just like, I feel like I just witnessed of you know people I knew like you know they just ended their friendship in front of me. You know, it was like yeah, and that's kind of like the genius of having. The, the fact that you've seen, in Iron Man's case, you've seen three solo movies at that mm-hmm. point, in the Avengers, and then Captain America, you've seen two solo movies in the Avengers, and so you've, you've seen dozens and dozens of hours of these characters, and enough so that you know them, and I think not having seen Batman v Superman, that's a disadvantage that they had was... You're seeing these two characters fight, who in the comics are really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but you re- there's really no personal stakes there because yeah. they, or I shouldn't say no personal stakes, but it's harder to establish those personal stakes if you're seeing them sort of meet and all of that for the first time in the movie where they're fighting. Yeah, well, and, and also the comic that it's based off of is built on was built on decades of friendship. I mean, and, yeah, and Frank decades. Miller was writing a satire, essentially. 
you yeah. know. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely a disadvantage to jump right into the big stuff that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand why they do it though, because there's you know, they're sort of off pace with Marvel. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the Marvel stuff kind of caught everyone by surprise. Oh yeah, no, I mean, the Iron Man movie. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Like no one. They, <laughs> I, I remember when Iron Man came out, they were still talking about. Uh, or they had just recently been talking about doing a Captain America movie as a comedy, like a full-fledged comedy. Oh. That's the way to do Captain America, because he's so, you know, quote-unquote cheesy. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like no one was thinking about superheroes in a shared universe, massive, multi-franchise franchise, you know? Like, yeah. It was sort of grab some movies here, and we'll grab a movie there, and if this doesn't work, it's no big deal because we've got, you know, like if Superman doesn't work, we've got Batman. That's its own trilogy. But <laughs> Marvel kind of changed the game on everyone. No, it's, it's. I mean, it's essentially changed the way that we we watch movies. Like now everything's a shared universe. and 100%. Yeah. yeah. And for better or for worse. Exactly. It's like, okay, you guys don't all have to do shared universes. It's Yeah, not everything has to be a gigantic gigantic franchise possibility mm-hmm. yeah it would just be its own movie like I remember you know like when a trilogy was rare like yeah. when that felt really strange like it was like oh my god they're making a third one and it wasn't like you know, now it's like a given mm-hmm. yeah now it's like everything is a three picture deal if that and um, yeah I mean, that's like the minimum now yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I think that was even because of, like, Lord of the Rings. I mean, after after doing something like that, but that was also such an anomaly in and of itself. Yeah, and so well planned mm-hmm. and done with such, like, care and time. I mean, didn't they spend, like, two years in pre-production for that movie or something like they yeah. spent a really long time figuring out how they were going to make those movies my uh my mom and sister and i spent a lot of time watching those extended edition versions okay. well you're gonna spend a lot of time watching those extended editions cause it's like nine hours oh my god and 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 also the you know the addition of the the scenes that they they kind of put into you know flesh out the story because um, right. I prefer the extended editions in terms of the actual movie, because it's like, yeah, all of all of this, this is good stuff. Why is it cut out? <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, there are certain movies that you'd be willing to sit, like, I mean, Black Panther for for one. It's like, I know that it got cut down from like four hours apparently, like, uh, and and it's like, I will pay to watch the four hour version of Black yeah. Panther. <laughs> Give me that uh, director's cut. Yeah. Oh my god. Or just, yeah, the, the extended edition of Black Panther would be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to see everything that, that was, you know, that Ryan Coogler wanted to do. And, right. And I, and I don't care if it, it costs me more money or if I have to sit there until my butt, I can't feel my butt anymore. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, if it's the right movie and it's, it's yeah, you, you kind of want to spend more time in that world for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and speaking of worlds you want to spend a lot of time in, I mean, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Critical Role, since uh, sure. you, you and I are both fans, and you have done 
Yeah, you've done some fan art, which a lot of people probably know about. Um, I have, yeah, I've done some fan art, um, mainly of the second campaign, just mm-hmm. because, I don't know why, I should have done more of the first campaign. Are you still, are you all cut up with the first campaign, or are you kind of like... I'm all done the first campaign, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to finish that entirely before the second campaign mm-hmm. uh, started. Um, I'm not caught up with the second campaign. I've got like three quarters of the last episode to get through. Okay. Well, you're so, not too yeah, far behind. I, I'm almost caught up. I'm not quite. Okay. Well, and it, it is a Thursday when we're recording, so, you know, I, I may have to cut us short just so I can get prepared. <laughs> yeah, you got to get ready for the awesomeness that'll be, I'm sure, the latest episode. Yes, the Mighty Nine. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's so good. It really is. And and I think for a lot of people, too, because, like, I came into the first campaign, like, midway through the, the, yeah, the stream. Yeah, totally. So, like, I, I think I caught up with it when they were towards the tail end of the Chroma Conclave arc. Okay, so you, I'm sure you came in came into it and discovered it earlier than I did. Mm. Um, I caught up with it, but just barely, just barely by the end of it. Yeah. I mean, were you, were you like, cause, cause I would watch the episodes like on YouTube or, and, and I would, I would kind of jump ahead cause I was like, okay, I get the gist of where this battle's going or, you know. Yeah. Now see, I, I typically didn't jump ahead a lot. Mm. I might have one or two times see the battles and stuff like the actual dice rolling aspect of it Mm -hmm. is probably my favorite part of it so i sit through all of that stuff i don't know why i like it so much i just find it exciting Mm -hmm. um but i i do know that a lot of people are the exact opposite and they love their favorite thing is like the the character interactions which are amazing oh yeah. yeah i'd say the um the battle parts of it are my favorite. It's I it, I think it just depends. Like I remember when the 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 final battle with Vecna was happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I had it on. I was gonna watch it, and then I was just so stressed out watching. <laughs> I know that's the great thing is that literally anything can happen. Like mm-hmm. they could have all died. Yeah. No. But and, and and I had to actually turn it off. I didn't watch it live. I was I was just so stressed. I was like, I I can't put myself through this. I have to go to work in the morning first of all. But yeah, exactly. No, totally. I can totally understand that. I didn't watch really any of them live because I just sort of I like to watch them at my own pace mm-hmm. and a lot of times while I'm working because it's so um, auditory. It's it, yeah. you know, so it's great to it's like a radio play almost. So I just I like to work while I'm I'm. Uh, consuming it Mm -hmm. but um yeah i can imagine that watching it live would be extra harrowing yeah there there have definitely been episodes where i've been like holding a pillow and just kind of like stuffing my my mouth into it while i'm trying not to like squeal or scream or it's and it's and it's so interesting that that something like that can um bring out those reactions it's just like it's it's make believe, first of all. In, in, in the... it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's... It's like it's all it's all like make believe. I mean, the dice rolls add the the sort of rule base to it, but mm-hmm. just the, the I think it's just a testament to how 
good of a storyteller they all are, but then uh, Matt Mercer in particular is just so, so good at it that he really paints, like you can see it in your mind. If you're not looking at the board, um, you don't need to look at the the visuals uh, most of the time Mm because you just know what everything looks like just from the way he's describing it. Yeah, no, it's it's insanely amazing storytelling, you know, just... Yeah, like his descriptions and then just in the characters that, you know, the actors are playing, but then the amount of characters that Matt Mercer is embodying. I know, and he keeps track of them all somehow. Oh my god. Even if if he is writing them down, you know, and has like a binder full of notes, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you organize those notes. Like, he never hesitates. He just has... He must be some kind of uh, savant, I think. <laughs> some sort of D&D savant to be able to uh, maintain all that information. I think he's actually a wizard. I, I think we he can... He might be. Mm-hmm. I'm... Yeah, it'd be a little interesting that a wizard would choose to use his powers in such a... Um, I'm not going to say mundane, because it's not mundane, but yeah. in a... Like, yeah, just use your your magical powers for maintaining the world's best D&D game. I mean... I, 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 it, sounds, it sounds good to me. Yeah, no, that seems like a story worth telling, so... <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, who who was your favorite character in, in Campaign 1? Campaign 1, it would be a tie between Grog mm-hmm. and Scanlan. Nice, and you did actually. You actually did a, a Scanlan for me in my uh, in one of my sketchbooks. Yeah, it was a pretty small little Scanlan. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to do another piece of fan art. Um, I'd like to do like a group shot of the mm-hmm. campaign one characters because I have not drawn many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a group shot of the campaign two characters. Yeah, I think after the first episode, so I didn't actually. They're not really that accurate. Uh, they were sort of my impressions of them, which was really fun to do. But um, I'd like to do, take another crack at that and do like sort of the the accepted. Either I don't know how that that gets established. I know there is some official art, but then it just yeah. seems like certain things just sort of crystallize through many people doing fan art. It's like okay, that slowly becomes accepted. Mm-hmm. That I don't know, like. Uh, you know, a character might look a certain way or wear certain clothes, even if it's not in the official um, artwork. So I'd like to take another crack at the the second campaign as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would, I mean, in, in my own head, because I love the scan that you did, but I'd also love to see, like, you know, each one of them with, like, their vestiges, I always, because it's like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like the epic, like, super scion or, you know, yeah. that kind of uh, version. of was like, uh, Vex especially, like, with Fenthris, I always, I just like the visual of that, or, like, Vax and uh, Whisper. Vax 20 uh, vestiges. Right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, he was all loaded up. It was awesome. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, okay, so then, who, do you have a favorite so far of the Mighty Nine? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, it might actually be the same same actors. Oh. Um, maybe I gravitate towards their character choices more, but I really like Not, mm-hmm. and I like Ford. Um, I like them all a lot. Oh, sure. I, yeah. I actually, I loved all the characters in 
campaign one. Um, I'd say I love the characters in campaign two just as much, and some of them maybe even a little bit more. Well, and I think it's also the experience of, I mean, you're, you're kind of more, I guess in, I mean, this is the way I feel like I'm a bit more in tune with campaign, with campaign two, because I'm here from the beginning, you know? Yeah, 100%, because even in campaign one, they came in after playing together for a year or something? Yeah, about a, about that, yeah, so you're you're kind of dropped into the middle of a story that's already been, is being told. Um, yeah, literally, it was right in the middle of a story arc, I feel like, they were, yeah. they were going down to those mines or whatever to, mm-hmm. to do some business, and uh, so you were kind of dropped in and just had to sort of feel out everything from the middle and sort of suss out which character is which in this way in campaign two you're you're doing the same thing but you're seeing the the actors um figure it out with you yeah the the evolution is really interesting to watch especially like just even the voices that they're using like yeah, i mean jester was changing, yeah. yeah jester was fully formed we already knew that but yeah, jester right out of the gate just uh just, I guess uh, Laura Bailey really knew what she wanted to do right from the get-go, because that was, and I love that character is amazing. That would probably be tied for my favorite character. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm such a stickler for any jester fan art with like the the lollipop uh, spiritual yeah. weapon. Genius, <laughs> I love yeah, it so much. <laughs> um, and, and but I'm actually I'm a really big fan of Bo right now, just because. She, cool, yeah, because yeah, I actually uh, sent Matthew Mercer a bunch of questions about the Cobalt Soul and the Cobalt Reserve. Um, right. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to write an article uh, for so I'm I'm an archivist by trade, and I've started doing these articles for the Society of American Archivists about depictions of archives and archivists in pop culture. Oh, cool! Yeah. Yeah, and so the next one I'm writing is is about depictions of archivists in like RPG settings. Um, yeah. Did he get back to you on that? Like, did he, he send you uh, a reply? He, uh, he replied to the, that he will answer my questions. So I sent him a bunch of questions, basically. I'm waiting for the answers to come back to me. Um, cool. but yeah, no, he was, he was like on the ball on that. Like I asked it, I asked him the question on Twitter and then he got in contact with me on Facebook, you know, like I saw this and I'll, you know, I, I have a limited amount of time, but I can try and, you know, answer whatever. And, and so, yeah, I just... I was like, I just want to know all these things about the Cobalt Soul and the Cobalt Reserve because it's awesome. it's archivists with warrior monks. I mean, how could I not want that? Yeah, that's super cool. And you know that he's got so much info, I'm sure, that oh my he's God. created for this thing, just possibly for just his own gratification, or mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it'll come in more to the story. It probably will, but... Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited. Like when you know, as as everyone's storyline starts like coming up. I mean, especially when they start hitting on whatever Bo's deal is. Like, I'm gonna be like sitting there going, "Okay, what am I gonna learn about you know warrior monk archivists right now?" Yeah, I just love how uh, shifty all the characters are. Right. It's hilarious. It's got a, a different tone so far than the first. Um campaign because those guys all seemed like people trying to they were like you know flawed characters trying to be better than they were Mm -hmm. i figure yeah whereas in this campaign it's like 
they're not trying that hard no. so far. It's like they're kind of happy being like, you know, sort of turn face and and uh, schemy, which I think is a really fun way to take it. It'll be interesting to see if that changes, but so far, I don't know. Like I just like Caleb is kind of a dirtbag, and I, I find that really uh, funny. The the hobo wizard who's just like you know yeah. I'm just gonna steal things. I don't care. He's like selfish, and he's like him and not like run all these cons together mm-hmm. and it's just it's just a fun uh direction to take uh characters not classically heroic or or necessarily even trying to be heroic. yeah and i mean yeah and with vox machina you definitely had a sense like these people are trying to be heroes that they want yeah. to yeah whereas yeah, yeah the... I mean, they weren't always like that heroic but you got like that was the conflict i think was yeah that ultimately like they all had these very flawed personalities but they were trying to do good mm-hmm. yeah um, the mighty you know, nine is Keyleth. yeah <laughs> poor Keyleth. yeah oh. i'm just glad that she can play someone that doesn't care as much this well, time and it's so interesting to seeing that that shift as well like marisha ray going from this wide-eyed and and this character who basically gets broken by the world in a, in a lot of ways yeah, yeah um, she's like a complete 180. Yeah, and then being Bo, which I think is actually more in tune with Marisha's personality, so it's probably not too hard for her. Yeah, well, I think it'd be an easier character to play in the sense that, you know, it's like when you're all pulling off some sort of morally ambiguous scheme or job or something, it's tough to be the, per- the one goody-two-shoes character that has an issue with it, because... <laughs> You know, people are gonna. If you're stepping in the way of of the, you know, most of the protagonists or the storyline, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the classic sort of Breaking Bad, Skyler situation. Yeah. Like people kept getting mad at Skyler in Breaking Bad. They they didn't like that character, even though she is the only decent character in the show. Yeah. That's because the protagonist is a criminal. Right? Yeah, he's a terrible human being. Yeah, but we're still rooting for him, or most of us are, because he's the protagonist. We want to see his, even though everything he's doing is illegal, we're invested in him succeeding to a certain point, mm-hmm. um, you know, short of anything absolutely horrific. So yeah. I think that's why people got mad at her, is because even though she's doing the right thing, she's standing in his way. And I think, to a certain degree, at certain moments, uh, Keyleth uh, ran up against that a little bit. Oh, I think she ran she up like, against it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she's you know was playing a character who was inherently good, or at least very much wanted to do good. And this yeah. time she's just playing a an asshole, you know, a bastard. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Ford might end up being the the keyless type. I mean, maybe not right now. It's, it's interesting because there's this. He absolutely has this aspect of being very honorable, mm-hmm. but you get this duplicitous vibe from him. Like, yeah. um, like he's so good at lying, and, and when he was talking to his um, his patron, like well, you know the Kraken, mm-hmm. or we actually don't know if it's a Kraken, or is it a Kraken? We don't know. Beast of some kind. Mm-hmm. He's talking in a totally different voice than his sort of um, Texan voice. Yeah, yeah. It's his true voice, not the voice he's using at all. That'll uh, 
con job. So that's really interesting. Yeah, like when I mean, I think that's what just makes it more exciting is that you get like these little snippets like that. Yeah, that that dream that he has, and you're just like, okay, is that the voice he? thinks that he he wants to have like is that his real voice like was he always a half orc like yeah. you know there's there's so much stuff going on with each of them and even i feel like with jester who's very like a very open character about like everything um yeah. i still feel like there's stuff that we're not quite you know uh in on yet like uh, who the who the hell the traveler is you know 100% oh yeah. man no it's really it's really it's it feels a lot more complex right from the get go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I, I we're, we're over the hour, which is great. Um, and uh, I mean, I, this Bye. is this is probably going to go out if not tomorrow, well, maybe Saturday. Um, so, is there anything you would like to promote? Um, <laughs> anything you want to recommend? Well, recommend. Um, I haven't been reading as many comics as I like, so all I can do is uh, recommend my buddy's webcomic, okay. which he's been doing for literally ever. Okay. Um, Team Striker. Uh, I believe it's Team Striker Productions. Uh, give that a Google. It's a really fun sort of send-up of ultra, um, ultra like, patriotic... Um, G.I. Joe types. It's like a comedy playing off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, it's a funny webcomic, so Team Striker. Okay. Um, beyond that, uh, my comic, uh, the first issue of Judge Dread Under Siege, which is the subtitle, mm-hmm. uh, comes out next month, okay. I believe. I'm not 100% sure on the release date, but uh, I will be posting more information as that gets closer on my Twitter, okay. which is... Um, uh, I think just my name, yeah. Max Bars. Yeah, so that's you know that's really all I have. Um, and also your favorite Rob Schneider vehicle. Oh yeah. Um, well, okay. So my favorite Rob Schneider vehicle. Oh, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> I know, like just this um, vast oeuvre. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, can I? I'm just gonna wait. Is he in Happy Gilmore? Is I, he? In, is he in the early? I don't. Uh, Adam Sandler. I movies? don't think he's in Happy Gilmore because that's uh, if that's the only way Happy Gilmore could be any better was if Rob possibly. Like I, I, th- I don't think he actually starts showing up until um, Big Daddy. Mm, well, that's why Big Daddy is such a, a great Adam Sandler movie. I'm gonna say Judge Dredd, even though I've never <laughs> seen it. I'm gonna watch it and just assume that'll instantly become my favorite. Okay, well, you let me Paul know. Paul Schneider was the team up that everyone was um, begging for. I'm sure, and somewhere in 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 society, someone was going like, you know, who should be in a movie together? Stallone and Schneider. Yeah, that is back then. You know, like the '90s. Mm. That was the team up that everyone was hoping for. Well, the comedic the, stylings of Rob Schneider and the action prowess of Stallone, well, and they, they delivered. They were in. I can't, to, I can't wait to see it. They they were in Demolition Man. Uh, yeah, Demolition Man. They were both I, in that. Right. Dem- yeah. Okay, I didn't change it. Demolition Man is actually a great movie. Yeah. I'm no, I do that. really love it's, that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's so, uh, so that'd be my favorite Rob Schneider uh, starring 
because he is the star of that movie. Rob sure, Schneider. let's let's just say that. <laughs> the three seashells. Oh my god! Great movie. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen it, yet I have such a clear memory of it. <laughs> yeah, I gotta rewatch it. When I was like fourteen, I watched that movie like twenty times. So it was one of the first like rated R movies that like I I had a sleepover with a bunch of uh, friends of mine from school and we were going to watch that and I remember my mom actually having to like talk to the parents of my friends just to make sure it was okay because she had no problem with me watching it but she was worried. Can I just say how much I admire the fact that you and a bunch of your friends in high school uh, got together and your movie to to watch was Demolition Man? Yep, yep. I was ahead of my time. That is phenomenal unexpected and phenomenal at the same time yeah, yeah that's a great movie not unlike myself thank you <laughs> exactly yeah it's very fitting <laughs> excellent well okay now that we've established uh favorite of the many films that rob schneider has done that have graced us in this day demolition. and age yeah. demolition man okay I, I should just start doing that, like, just asking people at the end of each podcast. You should, with no context. I mean, I know why you asked it, but your next interview subject mm. doesn't need to know. Sure, yes. Just Rob Schneider movie. Go. Yeah. No, I feel like that might end up being a thing. Thank you, Max, for, for facilitating this. Well, I feel like it came up organically, mm. and uh, it's it's going to really uh, take your podcast to the next level. Sure, and if it gets to the attention of one Rob Schneider one day, then, well, that's just icing on the cake. Well, then you'll, you'll have it made. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll feel so much better about myself. You certainly will. Yeah, that'll be, it, it'll all be downhill after that. Oh, man. Yeah. Right, this, better, this better keep going so that he doesn't notice for yeah. a while. It's, let's hope it's a slow burn. Yeah, very slow burn. He might notice this. I mean, he probably has, like, a Google alert. So don't put it in any sort of keywords for this podcast. Okay, no one will know. I know about it immediately. Exactly. Like, it's yeah. probably on his RSS feed. <laughs> He's probably listening right now. Shit, he could be. <laughs> he just knows he's being talked about. His ears are ringing. He's like, wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hear a disturbance. Yeah, exactly. What a genius. Oh, my God. That Rob Schneider. <laughs> well, Max, thank you so much for being on the show that we could finally do this. Glad it finally happened. It was awesome. Thank you. Yes. And uh, as always, uh, you know, thank you. And uh, on behalf of that girl with the curls, uh, good night, everybody. Good night.